Let's pray tonight and ask God to be with us as we study, and uh, we're going to have another time of worship and prayer. But Father God, we are ready for the word tonight. Pray you would challenge us, prick our hearts, oh God, prune us to bloom. And God, I pray that you would move in this next few moments, God, that it would be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, on the unction of the Holy Spirit, God, and let us just receive from only you tonight, not Pastor Heath, let us receive from the Word of God, from your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 15, verse 1, let's look there again tonight. John chapter 15, verse 1, and the title of tonight's message is Pruned to Bloom, Pruned to Bloom. You and I are pruned to bloom. John chapter 15, we're continuing from this morning's message, uh, part of our Words in Red series, but John chapter 15, a New American Standard is what I'm reading out of. John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And he goes on, he says, You're already clean in me because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And he goes on and he says to them, uh, uh, If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And he says, These things I've spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Okay. What do we do when serving God is painful? What do we do when serving God is painful? In this passage, there are two types of branches. Okay. There's the branches that produce fruit and are pruned. And then you've got the branches that don't produce fruit and are cut away. There's no other choice. You're going to be one or the other if you're in Jesus, all right? Or if you think you're in Jesus. Two types of branches. And he tells them, he says, hey, disciples, there are people that are firmly planted in me. They're, they're going to bear much fruit and they're going to be full of joy, all right? And uh, man, that's a good promise. Get it to be in Jesus. You get his joy, not your joy. You can't fake it. It's his joy. And so you get his joy, but that's not it. He says, you'll be hated by the world. Praise God. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know about this. He says, hey, this is how it's going to work. You're going to be in me, and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to have my joy, and you're going to produce awesome things. You're going to keep the church going until I come back. That's your whole purpose. It's not to go buy a car and build a house and have a job and a family and fulfill the American dream, even though those things are not necessarily bad. But if they get in the way of what I'm doing, then you've got to put those aside, right? So he says, it's all about me. Remember, I'm the vine, you're the branch, okay? And so he says, hey, but by the way, and goes in verse 19, he says, you're going to be hated by the world. So not only does abiding mean when you know get connected, remain and connected in Christ, it's going to bring this great fulfillment because, man, I get to give glory to God. You know what? That's, I get to give glory to God. I didn't deserve the ability to give glory to God, right? That's a privilege. Man, and that's an honored position just to be able to worship Him. We're not worthy enough to praise Him. You know that? To sing songs about Him? Our lips are so pitiful. We go out there and we, we say negative things and gossip and cuss and slander and all these kind of things. Then we come in and we praise God, right? And, and we're not worthy to be able to do that. You know, we're not holy enough, but yet He allows us to because of the blood of Jesus. Okay, that's tangent. But He says, but you're going to do this stuff 
you're going to get great fulfillment and get to give glory to God, but you're also going to be hated and rejected for your great convictions. How are you going to make it in such a world as that? In a place where you're going to get, you have to give up your wants, give up your dreams, your ambitions. You've got to give up your personality, by the way, if you didn't know this. You have to give up your likes, your dislikes, your needs, your identity, your possessions. And some are called even to give up their families for the cause of Christ. I think about all the people overseas. We just prayed for Kirk and Amy Priest, our missionaries to Germany. Her mom had cancer. They're overseas, not able even to get home, you know, for these emergencies. Things, people give up things for the cause of Christ. And how do we make it in such a world? How do we make it and say, God, I, I got this joy. I know, I know I should be having this joy over here, but God, I got this other stuff that's kind of painful. And, and I get rejected and, and got to give up things. And I don't get to be who I want. And my flesh is pulling me one way, but God, your spirit's pulling me another. And many Christians, you know, they pray that God will make them more fruitful, but they don't enjoy the process that follows. Now, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. This is the process of joy in your life, all right? And we're going to talk about pruning. So let's look at this passage. John 15, 1, verse 2. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. We're going to stay right there. He prunes it so it bears more fruit. To be fruitful in this world today requires a lot of pruning. And maybe, how many people have ever heard a message on pruning? Okay, good. You're, you're, in, good, you're in good company. Okay, good. Pruning. Let's look in this a little bit. This is probably, for me, I think this is one of the most untalked about, even though many of you here tonight, you're the, the elite uh, on a Sunday night. Uh, many people, I think many Christians don't understand this. I'm going to dig in it to a little bit because to be fruitful in this world today requires a lot of pruning. And the most fruitful people are the most pruned people. The most fruitful people are the most pruned people. And Charles uh, Spurgeon said this, he says, do you know that the promise of the old covenant was prosperity, but the promise of the new covenant is adversity. Hmm. If you bring forth fruit, you will have to do, uh, have to endure affliction. Jesus was afflicted. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was condemned. Jesus had no home. Jesus had no job, no money. Jesus left his family. And we all say, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Wait a minute. Are you sure? Really? Because <laughs> I don't know. This is not this is going to road less traveled here. You know, this is the one that you. Yeah, you want to have love and you want to be blessed and we want God to glorify you and sit at the right hand of God and go to heaven. But yet he was afflicted in a way that no man was afflicted. He wept and sweated drops of blood. He was so afflicted. And so look at this pruning. What is pruning? Pruning means clean or stripping. Uh I, I had a, I had a picture I didn't get to bring it uh, tonight, but uh, man, I I love gardening and I love landscaping and and I don't get to do it now as much as I used to. But uh, we when I, we moved into this little house and when we first became pastors in a little parsonage and planted this little bitty rose bush. Um, I, I think I can't remember what it was called a princess rose or American princess. It was real is pink and uh, a little bitty rose. And every day it was right there at the back door, so every day I'd come in and out to go back into work, or if I came home for lunch, I would see, and I have just you know, my knife or clippers, and then just prune that thing every day. As soon as it budded, and once it started to fade just a little bit, clip it. Uh, even before it was fully done, sometimes I just clip it. If it, uh, a little bit of brown, clip that part. And wait for that red, if you ever do roses, they're green, and then the new part of the rose is red. 
the, the stem becomes red, and then it boom, uh, blooms. Then you clip it back, you know, to the next little split. Uh, and, uh, man, within a year, that thing doubled. It became like four feet. And I had roses like the size of my hands. I mean, just beautiful pink roses. I love that plant. I don't know, it was like a pet, you know. Uh, loved it so much that I uh, didn't trust the next person, my, my good friend, who was going to move into that house. So I dug it up and took it with me. And <laughs> like, you're, you're going to kill that thing. Well, anyway. Every year in Palestine, gardeners prune their grapes. And Jesus is talking about grapes here, not roses. They would cut back the dead wood that had no life and trim the living branches so they would produce more fruit. Uh, you know, you see this here. You've got bushes and things. You've got trees. Every winter, you cut them all the way back. You've got azaleas. You cut them, you cut them back. You know, in the winter, or the winter comes in the spring. But pruning, uh, uh, one article said this about grapes, though. Pruning is one of the most important factors in grape production. All right, listen to this. Grapes develop only on new growth. Okay, that's a spiritual principle. You should write that down. Grapes develop only on new growth. Fruit, spiritual fruit, grows on new growth. Spiritual fruit produces only on new growth. Okay, now think about it. You can preach your own sermon on that one. But farmers initially prune away all sprouts coming up from the ground except for the strongest ones. So they plant the seed, it comes up. A bunch of them come up. You do this in your gardens. You know, for, for me, you know, I plant my seeds. I'll put out, you know, four tomato seeds every little spot. And then when the strongest one comes up, you clip off the rest. So the only the strongest one survives, right? And it says, they let the strongest one sprout up. Then the vine forms and forms four main canes. And everything else is, again, pruned away. So they prune it from the very beginning. Then they let the vines form into four canes. Everything else is pruned. And then they let the canes develop and run down some trellises or a fence. And once that goes, and after the second year, they, pr- they prune 70% of it back. Three stages, <clears throat> excuse me, three stages of pruning. From beginning to middle to the very end. And every year they prune it. Now, that is a... Not just a spiritual principle, that is something in this world that God has put in the, the physics of this world. Everything is, trees are pruned every year, uh, except for the pine trees that we have. You know, uh, hardwoods are pruned, uh, our plants are pruned. Everything dies for a season and comes back. Those perennials that are in your potted plants, they'll bloom, they'll, they'll come big, they'll die. And the next year, they'll come back again. God has made us in the same way and He's made our spirits in the same way and He's made the Christian walk in the same way. Now, I'm going to go into this a little bit. Pruning is one of the most powerful spiritual disciplines which most Christians don't realize. It's a cleansing done by the Word and the Spirit of God and it hurts, but it's necessary. It hurts, but it's necessary. Why? Our salvation is not a one-time experience as you may have seen lived out in our generations before us or in this culture here today. It's not a one-time experience. Salvation is a continual growth track with Jesus Christ. That every day I'm growing. And along the way, uh, as I look into His Word and I look into prayer, repentance is necessary. Paul says, I take up my cross, I die daily, I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And now I live for Christ, all right, who loved me and died for me. Okay, so every day... I'm like, God, okay, maybe that attitude ain't right. God, maybe that, that feeling ain't right, that emotion. God, maybe I shouldn't buy that. God, maybe I shouldn't go there. Maybe I should go there, and I don't want to. 
And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is beginning to prune little things. He's just like, oh, that little bud, let's cut that off. Oh, that little thing, let's cut that off. Let me just shape this, you know, like Edward Scissorhands and make you into this sculpture of what God wants you to be. And it's not this one-time thing. We continually, and, and in the same ways, you are not always going to be fruitful. You are not always going to be in a season of mass producing fruit. Sometimes in churches, you'll see a great move of God, a swell. It'll kind of go down and it swells back again in your life. You'll have seasons where God is blessing and you feel great and vibrant and holy and righteous. And man, you're seeing people saved and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then you're going to go through a season where you're like, all right, God, I'm getting up again. You know, it's Monday morning. Here I go again. Right. And and that's natural. Some people think they need to live on on Prozac forever or live on this high because, well, that's supposed to be what it's like. No, no, no. You're meant to do those things. Look at Psalms. Brother Ron did a great work, uh, taught through Psalms for a while. That is not the most bipolar book in the Bible, right? David is like, woo, Jesus. Oh, my gosh, where are you? Sometimes in the same Psalm, right? And, and that's some, like, sometimes like we are, right? By the, in the morning, we're like, oh, Lord, I can't do it. And then by the end of the day, all right? But our, our salvation takes this continued repentance, continued humility, continued prayerfulness, fasting sometimes, weeping sometimes. Sometimes we've got to take a word of correction. Sometimes we need to be a little bit rebuked, a little bit chastised, a little bit, you know, sometimes God, let's be honest, needs to slap us in the face every now and again and say, oh, sorry, God, I shouldn't have said that. Or God, I shouldn't have really felt that. Or God, I really harbored that and I didn't even know I was harboring it. And you're like, oh, that was for me, God. Anybody ever do that? Okay, yeah, good. We're alive then. Okay, good. That's part of it. There's pruning, though. There's pruning the bad and there's pruning the good. Okay, so talking about pruning. Pruning the bad. Dead wood is worse than fruitlessness. Dead wood is worse than fruitlessness. Dead wood harbors disease and decay. These untrimmed vines, they'll develop these long rambling branches. It'll produce little fruit. And all of the strength will go into the dead wood. Let me give you an example. We're going through life and something happens and something bad happens or some situation happens. And it's all you can do to keep your mind off of that negative thought, that negative thing. You know, so-and-so talk bad about you or you should have got that promotion or, or God, I should have had this or that or, or, or she said, he said, whatever, family problems. And you begin to think, and it's all you can do. You're putting all of your energy, all of your effort into something that's dead. Something that just has to do with this world, don't matter, ain't going to affect the next world or nothing. And your mind is just stuck right there. And all of your energy just sucked into that one little thought. And you just, you can't get your mind out of this loop. Anybody ever had that happen before? Okay. All right, we're natural. It's human. But what happens is that's that dead wood. And all the nutrients of that bind go to that dead place. And pruning allows God to say, God, cut it off. God, that's dead. It doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce fruit in me. And anything that doesn't produce fruit or glorify Christ, God, cut it out of my life. And we have to submit to that. That's the bad pruning. That's the deadwood. Sometimes it's sin in our life. Sometimes it's cutting away the flesh. It's anything in our life that is hindering the character of Christ producing us. So think of it for a minute. What in my life is hindering the character of Christ, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, you know, whichever translation you want to read, meekness, gentleness, self-control, right? It's these things. What, what is keeping me from patience in my life? What, not in the world. It's not the world's fault if I don't have patience. That's got to come from within. I don't get more patience by being in a more patient 
place, you know, or when I'm not, in, other things aren't testing me, yeah, yeah. Or, or I'm not going to have more joy because I'm a, in a better joyful situation. No, this is inwardly from Christ, right? So God, what's in here hindering the flow? What are my energies and efforts? What's all the thoughts of joy going to? I got like this dead limb over here, God. Maybe you have to do an amputation on us sometimes in my heart. And so these things, he's going to chastise us, cut away sin. He's going to want to cut away hindrances that are draining your spiritual life. He's going to pierce your heart, perhaps, maybe cut those things away. We need to get that's those times. Where, God, I got to get humbled. God, I need you to correct me, God. And I know it's going to hurt, but God, I know I'm going to be better off for it. You don't want to give up those things sometimes. I don't want to give up that negativity. I don't want to give up those those things that that I thought were once good. Now, let's go this. That's pruning the bad. Sometimes God prunes the good. You know, when you have a surgery, sometimes they don't just take just the bad stuff out when they're removing cancer. You know this? Sometimes they'll take the surrounding tissue out, for those of you who are medical people, right? Uh, sometimes you, you have uh, infection in your, your toes or your legs. Sometimes you have to take the whole foot, right? Sometimes good tissue comes out with the bad. And same thing is true. A good gardener, if they see, for instance, my roses and if I was, or, or our grapes, and you saw, well, I've got a lot of grapes, but they're very little. Here's what a good gardener will do. They will sacrifice by cutting off half of the good grapes for gaining a better crop in the other half. This is one of the worst and the hardest things for people in this world to do, is that, God, there's a lot of good in my life, but yeah, there's not a lot of great. There's, there's a lot of good. Some, man, you know, having our kids in T-ball and having all this stuff going on in our lives and having this going on and that going on, being in this club, being that thing, having this house, that car, those are all good things. But sometimes a lot of good things prevent us from having God's great things. And sometimes there's got to be this place where we say, God, man, there's a lot of good things out there, but I had a pastor... Drill it into my head in college. He says, the enemy of God's best is something good. There's a lot of good things out there, but it may be the enemy of God's best. And so, God, what is... Maybe there's good things in my life, God, that I've got to be willing to get rid of. You know, maybe I don't get to live Heath Harris where he wants to live. And maybe, I don't know why, God, you're sending me to Louisiana in the middle of nowhere. But, hey, it turned out, Right? It's, it was God's best. Uh, doesn't always have to make sense to us. And the, he's the vine dresser. He sees the big picture. And I'm producing the fruit. But say, God, maybe I need to be a little bit more effective. Maybe my mind, my, my heart, my ministry needs to be more targeted. Uh, uh, and so the vine dresser prunes the branches, not only cutting away the dead and diseased wood, but he cuts away sometimes the living wood. The living vine, so it won't uh, have worse crop or a smaller crop. And so the vine dresser is willing to sacrifice even good things. Sometimes we have to say, God, okay, maybe there's things in my life that aren't bad that I still have to be willing to get rid of. Maybe it's not bad things. Maybe, uh, maybe it's... Uh, just the way I'm thinking. Maybe it's maybe I just need to harness my my energy, my thoughts. Maybe there's material possessions, God, that maybe they haven't been really bad to me, but God, you're willing to let me take them. They haven't uh, kept me from serving you, God. They haven't let me do that, but God, you're saying for me to give it away. 
I don't know why you want me to give it away, God. Maybe it was that boat or that truck or that car. Or maybe it was that money or those that jewelry. And you said, told me, God, give it to that person over there. And it don't make sense. I enjoyed it. It was good. It didn't hurt me. Uh, I was still faithful. But he's saying, hey, just give it away. We have to trust that he is the one that's crafting us to be most fruitful. There have been times I remember Beth and I were called to give, uh, you know, uh, we were young married, called to give $1,500 away to, to somebody else. And for one who's starting a family and getting things going, $1,500 is a lot of money. Uh, and for God to just be able to say that and to look back and say, God, I look back now and I'm like, I never went without. God, it wasn't even, I didn't even notice it. Like it was just like, it just happened. And then and it was gone and then it was, and then God just blesses and he keeps, he's faithful. He knows what he's doing. And God was able to bless this family. And, and I won't go into all the details of how they got blessed. But sometimes it's okay. Get rid of good things for God's great. You know, think about this. After each miracle, Jesus went away to meditate and pray. Sometimes even after good seasons of your life, God's blessed you. God is going to pull you back into a place of deep intimacy with him and even remove you. I know great pastors who've been in great revivals and then they just fall away from the spotlight for a season. That's because they got to get back into God, prune away all the things. And Jesus was the same way. Every time he had a great miracle, I was like, you're the king, you're awesome, you're, you're the Messiah, we bow down and worship you, and they just want to touch you. You don't need to get away. Say, so, you know what, God? Let's prune all that off. It's all about you. I believe that. I believe he just kept pushing it away. He said, you know what? Now is not my time for exaltation. I'm going to the cross. God, I just, I got to get away. God, I just got to be alone with you. That's what it's all about. And so sometimes pruning is for good, or good pruning, bad pruning but it's all for God's good. There's even times, in my, and I've noticed, where there's personal and corporate pruning. Sometimes the gardener is not going to let the whole vine die for just a few dead branches. So he sees the whole big picture. He sees the whole vine, all the clusters of grapes. And he says, well, these aren't doing so well. They're going to cause disease in the whole vine. He'll cut them away. I've had the unfortunate experience to be in ministries where you see the whole ministry moving, the whole church is moving into revival, but yet there's a few bench warmers over here holding on and gossiping in the back corner. And I just begin to pray. I'm not going to kick God. I don't want to kick anybody out of church. I can't really do that. But I just pray. You know what? Within a few months, God moved them. Lord bless them. Lord love them. Lord change them. But he's not going to sacrifice the whole church for a few dead branches. And sometimes we see people come in. Our, and I'll just be honest. Sometimes we see people come in churches. They come in. They won't stay. They'll go on. And sometimes... We don't want to chase them. Can I be honest? Until God changes them and they're willing to transform and move into His fruit production, it's okay. Pastor Choco even preached that this week, didn't he, Miss Evelyn? Sometimes, <laughs> I won't say what he said, but he's like, give him a cake and give it. make sure it's the cake you like and celebrate him on the way out. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going that far yet. But sometimes, God's got a bigger plan. And we say, God, I want to be fruitful. And any branch... It doesn't want to produce fruit. God's going to cut out of his church in this life or the next. All right. So look at this. <clears throat> there's pruning, but there's also a deep pruning. There's winterizing. There's winterizing. This is what you do at the end of the season and you cut everything back. It's that final mow. You know, uh, if you mow your yard and it's the last mow of the season, you know, you cut it way down low and you mow it because it's going to come out real green the next year. You get all your bushes, you trim them all back. 
We can help God continually with pruning if we follow Jesus, man. Uh, it's, there's s- small things we do. He says, you know, sell your extra possessions and give to the poor so you'll have unfailing treasure in heaven. So every week, if I've got extra junk in my life, if I've got a garage of things I'll never use, sell it. If, if there are things that could bless somebody else, get rid of it. If there are clothes in my closet I never wear, let's give it to somebody. Give it, get rid of it. Let's, we're not hoarders. It's all going to burn. Right? It's all going to burn. Let's, let's give it all to the glory of God. Now, the things you think you might keep, and some of y'all are hoarders or trinkers or whatever you want to call yourself, collectors, whatever nice code word you like, go for it, okay? You're collectors. It's okay. But what he's saying, he says, if there are extra things in my life, and in Acts, when the Holy Spirit moved, they sold their possessions, gave to one another as they had need. They're just, it's kingdom-minded. Those things help produce, uh, Produce that fruitful character. It's that pass-through, right? God will give you more if you give it away. That's how it works. God will give you more love. You give love away. God will give you more joy. If you give joy, well, God will give you more possessions if you give your possessions away. It's just the way it goes. That's kingdom, uh, kingdom mathematics 101. And so he says, turn the other cheek. Love your enemy. Uh, there's a lot of unnatural commands of love that Jesus gives that are supposed to continually crucify our flesh. But sometimes we are called into a season of suffering. Here's the fun preaching. You ready? Sometimes you and I are called into a season of suffering. Seasons normally are, are in, in, the, in the year, they're months long. In Louisiana, it could be a day. You never know. It just, wherever you are. So spiritual seasons can be things you go through for a few years. Could be things you go through for a few months uh, or just a month, you know. And, uh, you know, they're probably not something you're going to go through in a day or, or a week. But there are seasons we go through. In our, in our in emotions, in our spirit. And sometimes it's a season of suffering. It's your winter. It's your winter season. And suffering has a purpose, one author says, in believers' lives. It maximizes fruit-bearing, exposes fakes, and keeps you dependent upon God. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Turn another with me for a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. Paul's thorn in the flesh. You guys have heard this before. But this is, this is the picture. This is the picture right here of pruning. This is, if you want to know what pruning is, it's right here. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself. So Paul says, man, God has just really been pouring out the Holy Spirit in my life, giving me revelations of His love, of His power, of His kingdom, calling me to churches. I've seen signs and wonders. The dead walk, the lame, are, uh, the, the, the dead rise, the lame walk, the deaf hear. You know, man, God's moving. Seeing demon people cast out. Boy fell out the window the other day, and I, he raised a new life, you know. Uh, just all kinds of stuff. He says, because of these surpassing revelations for this reason... To keep me from exalting myself. Sometimes the most, when we are producing fruit, be expected God's going to prune you. That's the way it works. So, keep me from exalting myself. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That literally means to beat me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me this, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. That grapefruit gets larger when it's pruned. When we're cut back, we say, God, all I need is you. You're my supply. You're my source. God, everything else is secondary. God, you're everything to me. 
all that I have is in you. All my joy, all my peace is just flowing. The nutrients are just flowing out of Christ and into me and then out through me. And God, you're my life supply. That's how much I love you. God, everything I have. If, if, if I was like Job and everything fell away, God, I would still have enough because I got you. Man, it's just, there's nothing else. Everything else is just extra. But Jesus is all I need. But he says, so in, in that sense, I understand my grace is sufficient because the grace of God that saves me, Jesus Christ, is my power. That power of the Holy Spirit is perfected when I get out of the way and my heart is cleansed. It's just Jesus. Man, it's perfected in me. And so he says this. This is where we, most people would stop. And they would say, ooh, that's a good word. Lord, let me live in power. Let me live in grace. But Paul didn't stop there, thank the Lord. He says this. He says, most gladly, joyfully, gladly. I'm glad, therefore. I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm abiding in Him. And therefore, I am well content. Holy smokes. What are we reading here? I'm well content with weakness. Ouch. I'm well content with weakness. I'm content with insults. I'm content with distresses. I'm content with persecutions and with difficulties. Hallelujah. We're going to have a holy roller service right now. You know, like, wait a minute. Back up. Let's just stay right there in the grace and power part. But he says it this way. He says, for Christ's sake, your life had better be for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, let your life be about him. Right? It's for His glory, for His honor, for His power. It's His fruit. You got grafted in. It wasn't about you. It was about Him sending His Son to glorify His Son that the whole world might be saved and know Him and be in Him. And so it's all about Jesus. And it says, my life is for Christ. Like, man, if I get to be in Christ, I'll do anything. I'll be the worst of the, the least of the world. I'll be the most persecuted. I'll have my name slender. I'll be dragged through mud. Paul's saying, I'll die a martyr's death if it just means I get to be in Christ. How many people have a love for Jesus like that? That I don't care what you do to me. I get to be in Jesus. Rain or shine. Heaven, uh, uh, heaven's glory pouring out or hell's fire burning out my door. My car broke down. My house burned down. Whatever. I'm in Jesus. Today's a good day. I'm not going to hell. Every day's a good day in Jesus. I'm abiding in the vine. Power is perfected in me. And he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, the trials that you and I go through sometimes are not always for chastisement. Sometimes it's preparation for God's blessing. Sometimes, now there are things we do that we get ourselves in a pickle. That's not, that's not God. That's us, right? There's a difference here. But sometimes, let's differentiate, God allows the devil to test us, tempt us, like He did Jesus. The Holy Spirit drew Jesus into the wilderness to be tested so that He would might produce more fruit and that we might know, right, what it means to rely on the Word of God. And that's all that we need. It was for us, right? And so sometimes God allows things to fall out of your life. He allows you to miss that promotion because He knows you couldn't handle it. He allows those relationships to fall away because they weren't good. He allows you to have a loss of money because it's going to allow you to rely on Him. He prunes us that we might be more blessable later. And it's not necessarily punishment. It's for the bearing of fruit. He purges you, not because of something wrong you've always done, but it's so that He might get more glory in you because that's what your life has got to be all about. 
God, it's not whether or not I have those nice, pretty, shiny toys. God, it's whether or not I'm shining for you. Right? And so, God, whatever you've got to do, do it. And then get to that place and say, God, you know, Lord, if it means taking everything away, God, am I willing to say that? God, if it means losing everything so that you get more glory out of my life, that's where Paul's at. God, prune me. God, I prayed three times, but then I understood, God, what you were doing. And I think that's where we are sometimes. God, why, why, why am I here? God, what's going on? Well, son, read James. The testing of your faith produces endurance. You know, uh, every good branch bears good fruit and is pruned. Philippians 4, verse 11, Paul says, Again, in the same way, he says, Not that I speak from want. I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstance. I know how to get along in humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm humble. I've got. I've got nothing. I have and I have not. I've learned this secret. Whether I'm filled or hungry. Whether I have an abundance or I have a need. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Christ is my lifeblood. Christ is my source. He is all that I need. It's very simple. We make it complicated. But what we have to do is say, God, I, I, I know, God, you want to prune me. And the, here's the crux of the matter is that so many Christians reject pruning. We get to those moments and we say, God, this isn't about you. This is, this is God, this is my situation. God, I've got to get through this. Here's how you should answer my prayer, God. Here's what I want you to do in my life, God. Here's how I'm going to be blessable, God. This is the track of my life, God. This is where I'm headed. And he's saying, no, I'm going to show you what I want to do. And it may not look what you'd like. It may not be what you like. It may not be what you want. It may not be like you thought it would be. But am I enough? Am I all that you really need? I want to test you. I want to glorify Jesus in you and show somebody and you, man, Jesus' grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. And when I am weak, then I am strong. And I can do all things in Jesus Christ. Sometimes those things that come your way are not meant to destroy you, but deliver you. Not to tear you down, but to teach you to rely on Jesus. There's a little kid's song that said, I'm in right, upright, out right, down right, happy all the time. Anybody heard this? Before? Man, y'all. It says, since Jesus Christ came in and cleansed my soul from sin, I'm in right, upright, outright, downright, happy all the time. That may not be completely true. Right? You're not going to be happy all the time. But you can be happily abiding in the vine. Are we in that relationship where God is enough and His joy is our strength and we trust God's pruning purpose and Instead of withdrawing away and saying, God, no, 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 wait a minute. I, I like that part of me. God, I, I like those things of me. God, and, but he's saying, no, it may be good, but I'm cutting it off because i got something better. God is a good vine dresser. And taking a good crop, a good harvest, a good garden, really, not only does it rely on the good seeds and the good vine, it relies on a good gardener who can surgically, precisionly know what I should cut off and what I shouldn't. 
And do you trust God enough to get into your heart, into your life with a pair of pruning shears and start cutting things away? Do I trust Him and say, God, I trust you are good enough. You're precise enough, God. You know exactly what I need to be pulling out of my life to make me more fruitful. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, come on back. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Your heavenly Father is never nearer to you than when He's pruning you. He prunes you because He loves you. He wants you to bear more fruit for His glory. And yes, it may hurt, but we should rejoice because God's blessing is coming. And it's coming through you to bless somebody else. The more we abide, the more fruit we bear. The more fruit we bear, the more the Father will prune us to see His Son glorified. There are some things I'm going to to give you a list. And you're welcome to write these down for that. And our worship team is going to sing a song. We're going to worship and then we're going to pray. But I'm praying for these things. There are three, these things that say, God, I need you to allow some growth. God, are these things need to be growing in me? Maybe there's things that need to be pruned away so these things can grow. Number one is a love for God. Love for God. God, do I need more love for you? God, do I need your fruit, your nutrients to come into me? Love for God. Number two, repentance of sin. Repentance of sin. Number three, God, I need to be genuinely humble, genuine humility. Four, God, I want to be growing in continual prayer, continual prayer, abiding in you. Number five, selfless love. Selfless love. God, those are things Christ wants to grow in you. Prune anything else away. Selfless love. Separation from the world. Spiritual growth. Obedient living. A hunger for God's Word. Anything in your life holding you back from a hunger in God's Word, God wants to prune that away. And lastly, transformation of life. What is keeping you from living joyfully and abundantly? God, let it be pruned out of our lives. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to, let's just stand together. We're going to worship. And this song says, He gives and He takes away, but my heart will choose to say, Blessed be the name. God, rain or shine, I'm abiding in the vine. Right? Put that on a t-shirt, Jared. (laughs) I'm joking. But you know, man, it's all about Jesus. And we're going to sing this song one time through, and then we're going to have a time where we pray for one another just real quick here. And I'll God to just bless one another. Maybe there's things we are going through that you just need prayer for and that God will just be glorified in. But let's just sing this together and uh, let's really mean it. Say, God, I'm willing to be pruned. I want to see Jesus lifted up. Hallelujah, Lord God.